Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am Chris Anderson, your host, and I am this time, I was about to say as always, but I guess it's been quite some time. Uh, I am joined by Mr. Mike Asaza. Mike, how has it been running solo these past uh, couple podcasts? Good. Uh, refreshing, I guess. I get a word in edgewise, but I feel like I take <laughs> up a lot of the air sometimes too. So I also, there's a small thing about the podcasting business. There's no like drink break when it's just one person. Like it's hard to talk to yourself for like 15, 20 minutes, but you get a little parched and I couldn't stop and get a sip of like what's next to me uh, anytime there. So like something like mine was like 24 minutes long, I think. So that was a lot harder than I expected. So still learning things about this. Uh, speaking of drinks, I guess before we get started, we should decide who, who is DDing this podcast since your wife is coming back from vacation with $20 bottles of Woodford Reserve. I had to add that to our bourbon thread. I thought that was an important development, but uh, it's too early. I've had a lot going on. My home renovation is not going swimmingly, and it's driven me to the bottle, but not at 6.30 in the evening yet. So, uh, Or, excuse me, not bright and early on a Friday morning. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a lot to cover today, so I guess neither of us should be drinking for this. We have. We are going to – it's been a, a pretty – I don't. I was about to say it's not wild couple weeks here. Uh, for fall camp but things have gotten interesting these last 24 48 hours and we have a few more uh, other fall camp practices to catch up on you've been there what would you say is the what have we learned so far you know only one what today was the first day of full pads that you were able to see is that correct correct yeah i'll tell you what i've learned that we can learn because like we're actually allowed to some of these and again this isn't a knock on old versus new but they just didn't want the media around or have the media around in the past, which is not some type of like college football unicorn. That's, that's pretty common actually. But the second practice wide open for the media. And then today, and they've had this a couple of times, 30 minutes that you get to watch. And then it's basically stretching in some pretty, you know, pedestrian drills. But today was as soon as you walk in, you tap on the shoulder and said, Hey, we're going to go one period long today and it's going to be live in pads, 11 on 11, good on good, you're welcome to hang around. And it's one thing to watch the full second day of practice in just like shorts and helmets. It's it's a little bit different to watch even a fragment of a full padded practice a full week later and to see what's happened. The bummer is you weren't allowed to report on anything you saw, which goes against everything <laughs> that I like to think I stand for, but I certainly understood. And I'm not going to like take the free beer and complain about how warm it is. Right. I'll just put it in the fridge and use it later. So I think I'm going to try to just keep the information tucked away for now and, and like hint at things. And then, you know, maybe as some of these things start to materialize in the future, if a quarterback takes the lead, if, you know, some of these position changes on defense stick, um, you know, that may make a lot more sense because we saw it so many days or weeks or practices earlier. Uh, and also like the coaches, if you've watched Brown, it's not a surprise, but if you've watched, the coordinators, Matt Moore and Vic Koenig, and if you've watched the offensive assistant coaches, and then later on today we watched the, we got to talk to the defensive assistant coaches, they're pretty forthcoming about things, which not only are some coaches reluctant to do, they're reluctant to do it early in the preseason where, you know, everyone's not even, but it's too soon to have a lot of developments of people, you know, lapping anybody. But you actually get some some formative answers to your question. So, again, I've learned that we can learn. So, so is this where we plug the VIP and try to tell everybody that you're going to post the entire two deep on the board later? 
I would never betray the confidence <laughs> of the press pass, too. But let, let me ask you this. You've had a different perspective, right? Um, from the beach with your toes in the water. I'm curious, as you're thumbing through the boards, or you're just, you know, on Twitter or, or messaging different people about what's going on. From afar, what's popped up to you so far? Well, I, I think the lack of you know, big surprises for me, at least so far, there hasn't been too much too, too many big position changes. Uh, although there are a couple, we're going to touch on that in, in a few minutes, but I feel like usually that first or first week, or as we get into the second week of fall camp, there's someone that just kind of comes out of nowhere, not necessarily nowhere, but maybe a, a starter that was just kind of, Hey, we hope this guy can fill in. And he turns out to be pretty darn good. I, I think that's what I'm used to seeing around this time and i haven't seen it yet at least not from where i'm sitting uh which as you put it was on a beach uh with my toes in the water and six children under five running around like maniacs so it wasn't that great but it, are am i wrong am i not seeing the right picture here what, what are you is there something i'm missing no i think that's that's a good point I'll, I'll correct your course in one second here but i think you're you're by and large correct which is, means a couple things they probably had a good idea of who and what they had at least in the middle of the spring and then toward the end, I think that was probably the the idea in the spring. Let's let's make sure we hit the ground running in the summer because you can only do so much in the spring. And you know you're going to add players, uh, whether recruits or transfers afterward. But you're right. Um, I don't think there's been a ton of surprises because I think they have people in the right spots and in the right spots in the depth chart. Um, Alex Sinkfield's your, your high riser right now. Um, that's the guy on offense that has gotten the most people talking most consistently. And that's not just running backs that's not just the running back coach that's receivers that's offensive linemen um and that's defensive players so that's promising uh, defensive players do not like to give the offensive players credit uh, especially at this part of camp so that's interesting um defensively i don't know if this is good or bad and we'll get into this a little bit too um there are some changes at linebacker which i think we talked about this before there's a lot of players there and there's a lot of talent i was i don't know about you i was surprised that adam hensley and Charlie Benton were both 100% white jersey full go on the first day. We hadn't heard that, and that seems like something to celebrate. And then there they were, and that's two players who have played and presumably can play. Benton didn't play that much, but you know he prepped to be the number one Sam last year and would have been probably for a while until he got hurt in the first game. I think, what, second half of the first game or second quarter of the first game? But that's two more bodies there, and we're starting to see some movement there and starting to see some players who are moving from the defensive line to linebacker and, and – that's interesting to me because, again, I think we liked what was going on there, but there may be some some credibility to what you were saying about a guy like Zach Sandwich ending up perhaps at middle because they suddenly have a lot of bandits. Holy, did you guys hear that? Mike just gave me credit for for calling something. You're welcome. Uh, but I, I loved where you went with these first few things. I want to go back to Sinkfield because this is – is this the third straight preseason where he's been <laughs> the best running back? I I, I mean – We've seen it. We've seen glimpses, but this is even when he was an obvious redshirt that first year when he got onto campus. All the talk was, "Man, he's uh, I, if we didn't have these guys back, he'd be playing right away." But we got to redshirt him, and then last year he was the guy again, up to the point that he he did start the season opener. Am, am I remembering that correctly? Before he got before he turned an ankle or was right up there, and, and was the best running back or one of them, and and here we are again. Is he? I don't want to call him the the uh, Jordan Thompson of the of fall camp, but it, it, is he actually going to be the man this year? Do you think he can can pull it off for a full season or half a season at least? 
think it's relative at that position because they want to use all four, and there's probably different games for all four of them. You know, against, let's say, Texas, Martel Petaway is a good fit. Alex Sinkfield, probably not. Uh, against JMU, I would imagine that Sinkfield might be a better, might be more likely against that opponent to run in between the tackles or run the line of scrimmage and match him up against a linebacker and, and good the heck luck. Um, I do think that, yeah, you're right. We've heard this story before. I think I say that all the time. Like we, we sang the song, we know the words. Um, this is different to me because it's a different staff and I don't think they took their cues from the other people. Um, and like, it's because he's playing receiver. He's not like motioning out. He's lining up at slot and he's running the whole route tree. And that's kind of interesting to me. And we've heard that before too, because Kennedy McCoy was supposed to be the slash and it never really happened, but they really pushed McCoy and Sinkfield sounds like to do that. And then at practice the other day, McCoy made it, or excuse me, Sinkfield made an outstanding um, post corner run route and catch. I mean, he got off the line, he stuck his foot in the ground and angled outside and he made this amazing one handed catch on the sideline. It looked like a receiver, and everybody says, like, his body's different. He's physically mature. You know, he knows the game now. He's healthy. And you're right. Like, last year, Youngstown State, he was a starter. They had a lot of stuff built in for him because they wanted to put that in before they got into some heavy competition. And he scores on a, what, I think a nine-yard touchdown run, catches a pass, and then he runs to the middle. And it looks like, wow, here he comes. And on the one play where he rips to the middle, he gets tackled awkward. He rolls his ankle. He's never the same. You know, he felt the urgency. He rushed back, and he wasn't the same last year. Um, but he was great in the spring. He won one of those Iron Mountaineer awards. He is, you know, a strong kid and also a fast kid, and he's just unique at that position. There's a difference between him and, and McCoy and him and Petaway and him and Letty Brown in the backfield, but there's a difference between him and T.J. Simmons and him and Isaiah Esdale or even him and McCoy lined up at slot receiver. I think it may happen finally. The, the other spot you mentioned was linebacker, which I want to discuss that spot, that group as a whole, and it might help us transition into our next topic of conversation, which is the, the position changes. But there have been a couple moves. How do you feel about uh, Vic Koning's five-bandit look that he's going to run this fall? Yeah, the interesting one to me, is Quandarius Qualls, and you you have some intel on this that you can explain maybe why this is obscure, but um, he's now the bandit, or not the bandit, but he's at bandit. Um, they have a bunch of defensive end bodies that they like. Uh, Taj Austin, Jeffrey Pooler is someone that people are raving about. Ruben Jones has come in and really played hard and been effective right away. So maybe there's not enough time for Qualls. And maybe he's only like a third down or a second and 15 guy right now. I don't know. Uh, you know, handful of snaps, but maybe he can play more at Bandit in a backup role, like a two role. But this this is kind of a surprise based on what you had heard, correct? Yeah, you know, uh, for those who don't remember, not this past spring, but the one before, Qualls was right in line for one of those starting outside linebacker spots in Tony Gibson's three three five. Then goes down with the knee injury, misses the whole year. And my understanding was that once he started to come back, he was a little stiff had some trouble moving laterally and that was why he was moved to defensive end uh, for those who didn't see the depth chart that was in um, the summer piece. It, he was the third string defensive end behind Alston and Pooler, um, which obviously doesn't sound good, but that that's only about as good as the paper that it's printed on. And, and but to hear that he's been moved out the bandit, that tells me that maybe he's progressing in his recovery from that knee injury. Maybe he has some movement. Maybe he has that speed that had him in line for that starting role um, just, you know, a year and a half ago. 
So, so who is a bandit now? You have Sandwich, Cowan, Benton, Qualls, and Jared Bartlett. That is five. Yeah. You're right. Man, twice today. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, and, and, and all this talk of guys that could be defensive ends even sliding out there. Obviously, we've seen that with Qualls, whether he's full-time out there or what they're going to do with Reuben Jones. Um, now, you know, defensive line coach Jordan Leslie and outside linebackers coach or linebackers coach um, Blake Siler have both said that they're interested in that versatility between the defensive end and bandit spot. But right now I feel like all the movement is going from DN to bandit or will to bandit and not bandit to somewhere else. So, which raises a question for me because, Hey, um, here's where I, maybe I wasn't right. I picked Cowan as my surprise defensive player of the year, I believe, on a, a couple podcasts ago. Why is everyone moving to Bandit if Cowan's there? It, is he a question mark now? Is he going to move inside? What What do you What do you think? What do you think this means for these, I these moves? I don't know because again, we saw practice, and the practice on Saturday it was frankly not geared for the defense. It was seven on seven stuff, and it was if it was you know for the defense to showcase themselves, it was seven on seven stuff and you're not going to get a great pass rush there. It's linebackers and cornerbacks and defensive backs. So they were off doing drills. Um, and again, you're in shorts there today, you know, a really limited glimpse of stuff. And he wasn't the one, um, but he's been out there. So, I mean, I, I don't know. They've, they've handled him in, in a different way. And again, we go back to this. They weren't sure he was going to be on the team before the spring. And then he was there in the spring, just kind of hanging around doing stuff. And then all of a sudden, he says, hey, we need a bandit. Put me a bandit. And he lights it up. So that was good. I don't know how his summer went. Um, that's not a guy that you get a lot of information on. Again, I think because they're trying to handle him differently. But let's not talk about bandit. Um, if they have bandits, could he be Mike? Because he wasn't Mike before. Well, yeah, I think uh, Well, I don't want to step on your toes. It, it was your information. It was something you've told me. I don't know if you shared it before, but that maybe he could be the best bandit and the best mike on this team uh with his skill set it's, it's interesting um i mean they they started him at mike and he's a talent if you look at him and you know his pedigree like they don't have a guy like that and he can probably get from hash to hash or sideline to sideline you know easier and quicker and better and, and angrier than anybody which is good you kind of want that out of your mic but if he has that that physical capability and you got you got that wrecking ball position to bandit you know why not put him there i think it's 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 a good point like could he be the mike on traditional downs and you put him at bandit to get a good pass rush on third or vice versa. Could he be your pass rusher, your, your bandit, I guess on traditional downs. And then when you kind of get into some pass defense packages or third down packages, could he handle the mic? I, I think we're too far down the rabbit hole here right now and probably talking ourselves into this, but like, I think what we're getting to is that that's the one position that we really didn't talk about too much because there was a lot of concern about the defensive line and then it got better. And then we have a lot of hand wringing about the corners. And then we haven't even talked about the movement and safety. And those are all areas of concern, but here we are. And I think, I really think this is more of a sign of luxury than panic in linebacker right now, which is good. Conversely, not quite the same as safety, right? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how to put this other than just to be blunt about it, but if, as good as he's been, as and we've heard about him from the previous staff, from this coaching staff, but if you're starting a five-foot-eight, walk on at or former walk on at safety in the big 12 that's probably a problem and 
I think there's probably going to be some more movement, some more shuffling, trying to find answers. I mean, and if he's if he's the man, he's the man, and he's going to be there. And so far, we've heard nothing to the contrary, but that's not a good sign for the depth or the the talent at those positions for West Virginia. Yeah, I'd like to hear a candid and frank assessment of this because obviously, like I, I say that you know defensive players talk up Alex Sinkfield. I mean, and again, they don't want to do that, but they will. I don't think anybody wants to to trash or downgrade or be critical of the safeties right now. You're not going to get that. But I would like to have a conversation with somebody who's going to cut loose and say, we're really soft here. We're going to be vulnerable here. And just tell me like where this is, because I don't think we can believe that, hey, we'll be all right. We'll figure this out because maybe they will, but I don't think you can assume that. And then what we're talking about here is that not only is Bonamico your, your starting cat right now, um, but they've moved some people around too. They've moved Sean Mahone from free to cat. They have Noah Guzman there now too. And they have Jake Long there. So there's four guys at cat, which means that free is a little bit different now. Josh Norwood has taken to that really well. I don't think that they're, they're going to or him or move him around. It sounds like he's their free and pretty much the, the cap on their defense, maybe the captain of their defense behind him is Kerry Martin jr. And behind him is I'm looking at my computer and it froze, but my point being that they don't have a lot of people here right now and they're changing things, which is, I don't know if that's all surprising or I don't know if it's something that we should be even panicking about because we're at that interesting point right now where are you moving guys because you've seen enough and you got to make a change or are you moving guys because there's still some time. Let's see who we have. And the reason I bring this up, because here's the third name of free safety. Tyke Smith is back there now. Um, that's a really talented player who was at Spear behind Giovanni Stewart and Quantel Reigns. I think you and I thought one of those two would move to free safety. I thought Reigns. It turns out it's Tyke Smith. But um, much ado about nothing here is kind of what I think. But I think you can make a case that you kind of are getting to the, the stage where you have to make some decisions. And this is a step in some direction. Well, and the other side of this is that within one week of fall camp, uh, during the summer when they released that initial depth chart, there were four players named uh, for the two safety spots, the free and the cat, uh, Bonamico, Long, Mahone, and Norwood, all with oars between their names. And within one week, uh, you just named three new people that have already made their way into that too deep, which tells me that, it's good for the competition. Talking about Martin and Smith and Guzman, all new guys, which is great for them. Which is it shows that you know they were talented players, I assume. And but for them to already be in that conversation so quickly for all three of them, I know Martin's been here since the spring, but still, it's three new guys already in the two deep within a week, as far as this fall camp goes. If you're to take that previous depth chart at face value. Yeah, and that's good because they had to find him a spot. And I'm not even really worried about that Mahone moved. I think to a certain extent, you kind of know what you have with him. And, hey, we saw him for you know X number of days at free. We're not certain about Cap. Let's put him at Cat and see what he can do. Maybe he does fine. Um, and then Guzman, they had to find a spot for him. They found a spot for him. Tyke Smith is interesting because I don't think that's because he struck out his spear. I think it's because that maybe he wasn't going to play a lot, and he's too good not to play. Now, here in a minute, we're going to come back and we because we still have a lot to talk about here. There have been some uh, potentially shady uh, offshore betting sites that have released a spread for the WVJMU game uh, that we need to discuss. 
And we also need to discuss uh, deficiencies in Mike's betting spreadsheet as well. He's got a little surprise for me here on some news that he has, he has not told me. And he's going to surprise me right here on this podcast and get my uh, immediate reaction. Uh, I'm kind of excited for it, but we'll get back to that in just a minute. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, Mike, we're back. I want to jump right into this. I, I created a, a thread on the board the other day asking people what they thought the spread between WVU and James Madison would be. Now, we've been saying all along, you've been hammering the point home that JMU is one of the top contenders in the FCS division. Um, they came in at number two in the preseason poll, but still the consensus I felt like on the board among everybody we spoke to was that it, the spread would still be double digits, that West Virginia would be favored to win by at least two scores. Um, a site that will remain nameless uh, has released a line that was less than one touchdown. Was it five and a half or six and a half? Five and a half. Five and a half. What, when you said, when you saw five and a half, what, aside from the fact that that was 11 points less than your spreadsheet, what did you think? I thought that someone had a typo and didn't press the one button hard enough before the first five. Um, Listen, my spreadsheet I will defend. Um, it's much more accurate when you have some <laughs> continuity. Like in a regular season, for sure. It, it's I don't want to get into it too much because I may patent it one day and make a lot of money. But like, it, it there's statistical evaluations and rankings in there, and it's really hard in year zero for two coaches. But you kind of put some things together and returning players and things like that. And like I thought it would be okay, and I knew it wasn't going to be accurate. I didn't think it would be 
three times the amount wrong, you know, <laughs> like that was a pretty poor indication, I think. So maybe I will have to lay off my trust on that, but I'm really surprised. Uh, that's not a good sign. Um, I do think that the betting is going to go wild and that's going to change wildly if it hasn't by the time people have heard this, but like it opened at five and a half. Um, again, not because we don't like the site, but we're just not supposed to mention it because uh, proprietary reasons. So, uh, I have no reason I think that they aren't they aren't calculating they haven't figured this out but like I do think it makes you open your eyes a little bit and say this is actually a pretty good team and again it's they think they can land a punch and win a game and it's the first game of the season and they have talent um you know their 1 through 22 is not going to be as good as West Virginia's 1 through 22 uh their 23 through 44 definitely won't but their 1 through 22 is not laughably worse than West Virginia's and they can get a lead and hang on if things go crazy. So I guess that's, the, that's kind of the concern. Or maybe they're not going to go away if West Virginia gets out in front, which is probably the concern. Um, and maybe the, the larger point is that people just don't think that West Virginia has the horses right now to run away from anybody, but five and a half is, is quite a spot. I was stunned. Yeah. I think um, you, you already mentioned it. I think people are going to hammer West Virginia on that. With How much have you put betting. on that already? How much have you put on that already? <laughs> I, uh, that is not one of my vices, uh, contrary to popular belief. Um, I do not gamble much publicly, uh, but <laughs> the, I, I, I think that line's going to go way up once the money starts coming in. I, I can't believe it's that low. That just seems wild to me, but you know, like you mentioned, I think people are kind of down on West Virginia this year. And they just see JMU as a contender in FCS, and they just assume that it's going to be a little closer than to be expected. But that just that a lot of stuff has to go wrong for the game to be that close. Uh, no matter even, with West Virginia being even if you expect even if you expect West Virginia to go four and eight on the season, for this to be a one score game, even with West Virginia, you're not going to win. A lot has to go wrong for the I Mountaineers. See, I agree, but I also disagree. I, I could say that a lot could go wrong and that means interceptions and maybe some special teams blunders. But I would say just as significantly and maybe more relevant is that like things have to go right for them not to find themselves in this situation, which means they're going to have to, you know, I, I'm not even going to say score touchdowns instead of field goals, but they're going to have to convert that third and two to get into field goal range to keep a drive going instead of having a, I don't know, risking on fourth down because God knows he's punting. Right. And <laughs> also like that's a collected composed team that's coming in. With, I mean, I don't know if there's an issue with quarterback, but they have two guys that they like, which is probably not different than what they have here. But I think the JMU likes their situation there, and they have talent on offense. They have some impact players on the offensive side that maybe hit a home run against a secondary that, who knows? By the way, while we're here in the secondary, the name on defense, and this is so funny because you mentioned the Sinkfield thing about how we heard this story before about him and can we believe it. Who is the version of that on defense? Oh, man. On this year's team? Yeah. Who was the one guy that we've been writing about as he's had a great spring and summer for a couple of years and, like, it's going to happen now? It's oh, Hakeem Bailey. Yeah. It's Hakeem Bailey. And I was talking to two receivers today who said, it's pretty good. He's covering people. He's making plays. And I was like, okay, it's been nice talking to you. <laughs> yeah. I'll just uh, copy and paste my story from last year. We'll be good to go. Now, um, while you have besieged my famous spreadsheet on point spreads um unassailable are my walk-on rankings uh, i was but, walking down the street and people said hey hey malashevich gotta go up 
and we have to revisit this now because we've had some developments. Uh, two things. Well, um, the for, the first development. How much how much of a bump does he get for spelling bee champ? Spelling bee champ <laughs> is significant. Uh, I also understand that they're not going to put that video out, which kind of bums me out because maybe it's not the most riveting. Uh, but get ready for a tic-tac-toe video coming out from the football team, too, to replace okay. you. So if you need your Mountaineer methadone for the offseason, uh, I think tic-tac-toe videos may be it for you, too. But uh, So we have some changes because Abbott, as I understand, and I mentioned this last time, he'll be on scholarship, so we can't count him. Um, so we have a couple of guys now, and I rearranged my top five. Uh, we're going to put Jackson Knipper at five, the fullback from Western Michigan. I think he'll play. Maybe special teams, but maybe some fullback stuff, too. Uh, and they say he's, like, really athletic for that spot, which is kind of an unusual thing to say. Um, from there, I got to go Osman Kamara. We talked about special teams um, briefly here, and not enough, frankly. But he's, a, I forgot, was a really good player. And I can't say exactly what happened in the scrimmage that we saw Thursday, but he did some things, and he was kind of noticeable. So I like that. Um then I'm going to go with a punter, Leighton Bechtel, just because I need a punter. Um, and, and like, that's the guy who may be in there. I do think it's going to be Colton McGee because why do you recruit a kicker and need a punter and not do it? And he's a punter now. He's not a kicker slash punter. But I'm going to put him at three because I think that he's at least fun. He, I don't know, maybe he's valuable in that he gives uh, a little bit of a push or a little bit of rest to Colton McGee. But give me Leighton Bechtel three. Uh, Uptown Brown, the receiver, continues to impress people about just like making plays at five foot nine on the outside. And then, uh, yeah, Spelling Bee Champ, Malashevich, M-A-L-A-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, uh, catching punts, um, shaking free from people on 11 on 11, getting open and having people say, hey, you missed him. He's wide open. That means people are watching him during the play now just to see if he does something, which kind of jumps out to me. Um, I, I just got a feeling he's going to matter in, in a very walk-on capacity, but I have a feeling he's going to matter. Got two thoughts on your rankings here. The first is – Kudos on the Brown, the Brown pick and the continued support uh, writing about him. The man does not even have a profile on the official school roster. So the fact that you have picked him out and, and pressed on him is amazing. Uh, the second, um, where does our dearly departed Barry Moreland rank if he were still here? Should we call, uh, above- it, the, should we call it the Barry Moreland Memorial <laughs> top five? Because when Barry's around, you don't even need... A ranking. It's one every year, so it'd be the top four or the also rans, I guess. By the way, but um, it's been hard. Don't it's it's a sore spot. And... Well, speaking of sore spots, I mean, we had an interesting. We didn't know it because you you were at practice. You saw him there. No hint of any issues. But tight end Giovanni Giovanni Haskins ran into some legal trouble real quick. It you know. We don't need to harp on this too much, but your thoughts on what happened? Uh, you know, he for those who don't know, um, his car was seen by police at a very early hour, late hour, depending on which way you're looking at it. Um, a couple of days ago, didn't pull over, ran, drove away, hopped out of the car, ran away, presumably him, but it was his car, and then turned himself in a couple of days later. Uh, your thoughts? I wouldn't say he ran into trouble. I'd say he ran away from trouble. <laughs> and there's a lot of jokes we're going to have about elusiveness and things like that. But it's a pretty serious thing, obviously. It's 3.15 in the morning, and you're driving around erratically and almost hitting cars. Um, I, I don't have to be the moral police here. Um, I think we're all wise enough to understand that. Um, what, what's interesting to me is the t- a couple things. I believe, I don't know if it was the 28th or 29th of July, but it was one of those two days uh, early in the morning, like I said. 
um, fill in the blanks how you want, but like you don't you don't act that way and run away unless something's wrong. So that's curious. Um, but he didn't turn himself in. I'm assuming he turned himself in, or they or they arrested him. Whatever the case, on um, August second, he had an appearance on August second. There's a gap in between there, so I'm assuming there was some sort of diplomacy where they found his ID in the car, I believe. So he left the car open when he fled, allegedly, of course. But they found his ID in the car and they talked to him, and I'm guessing they called the football office or. So they 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 arrange something which makes you think it's not that serious, um, or it's not that something that they're worried about or whatever. So that's okay. But the same day he was arraigned, he practiced. Um, he's in green, which means he's a limited participant. We assume because he's still recovering from shoulder surgery. We have another reason to believe why he's limited now. Um, and again, they need him. T.J. Banks took a tumble in that practice Saturday, and I haven't seen him out there since. Um, Michael Auckland's coming back. They may need to move somebody just to practice if Moreland, excuse me, Moreland. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> if Haskins uh, is still limited for whatever reason, if Banks is out, I mean, you only got one on scholarship and just, you know, not a lot of players who are experienced or capable there right now. So um, he was in a difficult spot as it is, and he made the situation more difficult. That's probably most disappointing. All right. Your head coach. Is he suspended for the first half of the first game or the whole game and that JMU spread drops to three and a half or what? You know, that's a great question. Um, we don't know. We don't know how he reacts to a spot like this. We haven't seen that yet. I'm trying to think if he's had a disciplinary thing. And I know he's some guys have left for whatever reason, which makes me think that, you know, there's a hard line on some things. So I have no reason to think that he won't do what he thinks is right. Um, I'm assuming that he will just yield to whatever the university says. So, um, you know, there's student conduct things and they're pretty serious about that, which we've learned over the summer. And if that's his way to police this, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. All right. Well, all right. Surprise time. <laughs> it's time. I, I'm serious. I have no idea what you're about to tell me. Yeah, I was actually, we were going over the, the, the script here and I said, and then this one thing about secondary NCAA violations we should talk about. And several minutes later, you said, have I, Missed that? And you did not because you and I didn't talk about this. The other Chris talked about this. Um, long and vague story short, and I hope you understand why, we're looking into some stuff. And I'll leave it at that. Um, but what? part of that involves FOIAs, which is the Freedom of Information Act, and getting our hands on some reporting, uh, reportage from the university. And some of that is self-reporting violations. That's all I'll say right now. But it turns out, here's your good news. Um, you probably want good news, right? Neil yeah, Brown was hired. There. Neil Brown was hired on July, excuse me, January fourth. From January fourth to June fifth. All right, so a period of six months. Zero NCAA violations. Well, before we get any further, I'd like to step in and say I'm pretty disappointed because I am on record as saying that if I were head coach, my assistant coaches will be. Um, incurring at least one secondary violation per period uh, under my watch because nothing becomes of them and they're a big benefit in recruiting. Sorry, well, go on. Brown would fire you because <laughs> his nose is, as reported, very clean. So between, um, again, this first six months he's on the job, none. That doesn't mean that it's none so st since then. We're talking two-plus months since we closed the window on our search because we searched from August 1st, 2018 to June 5th, 2019. And again, why? I'm sorry, I can't divulge that, but stay tuned. Um, and by the way, nothing imminently bad or whatever. This is as much of a curiosity as it is, you know, a quest right now. Um, but what we did turn up in that period of time were two 
secondary slash level three violations from the previous coaching staff. Um, and I know you love these things, Chris. So this is why I didn't want to take it. And I want to get your reaction live. First one, uh, this occurs uh, February of 2018. Um, and it was adjudicated and decided on August 30th of 2018. And West Virginia spotted the problem, turned itself in, recommended a, a punishment. The NCAA came back six months later, again, end of August, six months later and said, hey, good job. Um, case closed. But the violation was an assistant coach placed one phone call to a parent of a prospective student athlete prior to the date for which telephone contact was permissible. So on February 12, 2018, an assistant coach called the father of a recruit one time. And what the coach said was that the communication with the dad was typically text message or the father called the coach. Um, and they weren't sure what happened, but they found out that the coach called the father. The coach said, I don't remember that. And if I did, it was an accident. I said, I know the rules. I wouldn't have done it. Um, and WVU said, hey, let us slide on this because it was an inadvertent accident. So they made sure that the entire staff took rules education. And the assistant coach in question was not allowed to talk um, to anybody. No contact. Um by the entire football staff to the recruit and his parents until it was legal, which was September 1st of 2018. So that means they probably accidentally, or, you know, maybe no one will catch us, called a player before they could actually offer him. So we're talking like what, a high school junior? Yeah, that's what we're looking at. So it's it. Hey, it's a 2020 kid. One of this current. So right. you're talking February, 2018, which means it's a 2020 recruit. So, you already got me thinking as you were talking. I was I was doing the math. I was pulling up the target list for 2020, the commitment list, thinking about whose fathers, um, you know, because much like the coaches, I, I reach out to these recruits. I, I talk to their coaches. I talk to their parents. I'm trying to think of which, you know, rich recruits have parents that are more prominently involved uh, with the recruitment, um, you know, and then trying to bounce back to the previous coaching staff. I got some thoughts, but no points and no point in naming names if I don't actually know. So but put that that's... on the put that on the VIP board, your your lineup <laughs> of suspects. But I find it interesting that an accidental phone call or if it's even like a phone call just outside of the legal parameters, two months or excuse me, two weeks that nobody on the staff can talk to that kid. That's pretty weird. And 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 to think how how long did uh Hugh Freeze from Ole Miss not get to call the um the strip clubs after he accidentally called them as well? It's just a shame. Wow! But it was during the first two weeks that you can call, so those two weeks are are especially stringent. Anyway, yeah. second second violation. Again, these are level three violations, and if I remember correctly, the violation code there's one, two, and three. One is severe, two is significant, and three is just a breach. So you have severe breach, significant breach, and plain old breach. So these are just plain old breaches. And again, you can tell these are just kind of silly, but this is what the record keeping found. Um, we think punting is problematic now. Okay. Um, back in the spring of 2018, um, a non-coaching staff member had limited participation in a drill during practice. So this means a GA, right? Um, and during practice, the players were split off into different groups, and, and one group was doing pump block. Um, so this non-coaching staff member said, I'm going to show you how to punt for the purposes of the drill, right? So assuming that there isn't a punter back there, it's probably like a guy with a number in the 90s or 70s, and he's punting. So the non-coaching staff member kicked the ball twice to teach the punter how to punt the ball. 
uh, that's a problem because you can't do anything on the field during that time. Um, and that coach was suspended for practices on August 9 and August 11 of last year. So uh, sometime during camp last year, they're working on punting. A non-coaching staff member tries to teach someone how to punt, punts twice, and then gets suspended for two practices. I have an idea, and I think I still be on. I have an idea too. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna go there, huh? <laughs> I won't say it. I guess I pretty much already said it, but that's just so. It's so silly. It's and two punts, and probably caught himself. And like, I don't know if I should do it. Stopped. Just silly. But those are the type of you know little things that the NCAA likes to take seven months worrying about. So. It's really weird too because your quarterback can throw passes in practice. He can. Um, and your your special teams coach, as long as he's one of your eleven coaches, your head coach, your ten assistants, he can kick, he can punt, he can long snap. But a guy who is a non coaching staff member, which is a GA or whomever else under that support umbrella, he can't do it. Those guys do pretty much everything that an assistant coach does for, I don't know, a tenth of the salary, and they can't punt. That is a shame. Yeah, I, that one's not much of a mystery. But again, both of them, both of them, extremely silly. Very, it's it's amazing to me that so that was a full year and that and that's the extent of it. What was uh what were the stories that just came out about Tennessee reporting twenty three violations and Auburn self disciplining themselves but not telling anybody? That was a good one. Um, so to think that you know the previous staff went all that time and the new coaching staff for their first few months with those two little things an accidental phone call and a GA punting the ball twice is pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, we're talking from August 1st of 2018, which is like, you know, right around the beginning of spring practice, or excuse me, summer practice last year to, you know, two months ago. So you're talking, you know, almost a full year, just two violations. And again, just super silly stuff, too. And let's let's take a second to acknowledge the real victim here. Um, maybe he didn't have quite the season that everybody thought or wanted him to have last year. But where would Billy Kinney have been if he had the coach with him on those two practice days in August <laughs> of last year? It's unfair. It, it is unfair. Uh, but Still amazing that they did this. A little disappointing to me. Um, maybe you can set up a meeting with uh, Neil for me, and, and I'll have a talk with him about you know proper proper secondary violation conduct so they can get on that some more. Well, the fan club meets on uh, Saturday. Actually, first uh, first one of the, the camp coming up soon. So he'll be there. And again, hopefully he brings another cake and we can maybe iron this out. Excellent. Well, I think that covers everything. We have more than doubled our. I knew this was going to happen. The very first, uh, very first podcast we did, we said we're going to try to stick to twenty minutes, and it creeped to twenty five, and then it creeped up to twenty nine, and we've already hit forty. Uh, mm. We are incapable of being brief, but uh, we covered a lot today, and and we really hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast in a couple of days. I am Chris Anderson. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Casaza. Also, thanks for listening.